Hey, what's going on, podcast listeners? Thanks so much for coming by. Just a reminder that A Medic's Mind, the book, is available now wherever books are sold. If your particular bookstore doesn't have it, they can get it. I promise you. It's available on Amazon Canada, Amazon US, Amazon UK, and globally. You can get it at Chapters Indigo. Wherever books are sold, you can get A Medic's Mind. As always, I sincerely appreciate the support, and I can't wait to inform you guys that yes, A Medic's Mind is becoming an audiobook and will be released soon. More details to follow. But until then, thank you for the support. Welcome to A Medic's Mind, the podcast. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, I apologize about my voice. Uh, I've been sick over the past few days. I got like a man cold flu thing and uh, it kind of robbed me of my ability to speak for a bit, uh, hence the delay delay in getting a podcast out. But I do finally have one. It was one I recorded prior to getting sick. And uh, if you ask me, you can kind of hear that I'm getting sick in the podcast. But that's just that's just me being an audio nerd, I guess. Uh, I, uh, I, I recorded it and I finally got to, uh, to edit it. I was finally feeling a little bit better and, uh, had the ability to sit down and do some editing. So I have uh, an episode in and, uh, it's called the virus and, uh, it's kind of motivated by current, uh, state of affairs in the world with the, uh, Wuhan flu, or as it's now known as COVID-19, um, I worked in, uh, 2009 during the pandemic of H1N1, and uh, I went through a, a bit of an incident. I mean, we obviously dealt with a lot of calls uh, that could could have been or could not have been. Some of them were confirmed. Some of them were not confirmed. Um, but it, it's a busy time for being a first responder, and uh, it's a unique time in being a first responder. And although Canada is doing pretty good at uh, mitigating cases, in the first responder world, I guarantee they've seen a spike in calls and uh, also had to be very careful with how they uh, practice isolation gear and uh, and things like that. So I, I got to thinking about what it was like for me working and what it's like for medics that are currently working and first responders in general that are currently working, you know, fire and police and, and uh, nurses and doctors and all those staff that are directly on the front lines of incidents such as this that often get overlooked or uh, sort of the severity of what they go through is downplayed in in the umbrella of it's part of their job. Uh, it's nobody. It's part of nobody's job to get sick, and it's part of nobody's job to be in a in a you know in a staccato of instances where you could get sick. When everyone else is hiding from an, an illness such as this, it, it's a foolish thing to sit there and just conflate that with uh, a normality of someone's job. It's a risk of someone's job, but risk should never be considered. Uh, alongside normality. 
risk is always risk, no matter what. They're not synonymous. So I got to thinking, I started writing down some stuff and I thought I thought of a call that I went to and I decided to to write it down. And I've of course uh put it into some theatrics, um, theatricalized, shall we say? Uh as as that's part of the process for me. It's uh it's part of the uh fun for me. This isn't an overly traumatic call by any means, so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about that. Um but it's a story that I wanted to share with you. It's a story that I wanted to, to put out there and, and uh, also to let first responders that are currently working, whoever's listening to this right now, wherever you may be uh, from, from near and or far, I want you guys to know that you have my utmost respect. I absolutely applaud what you guys do. Uh, you guys and gals, when I say guys, I just kind of encompass everything, but you know, everything and everyone, uh, but you ladies and gentlemen that are out there doing this, it is beyond appreciated, uh, and it is um, it is something that I hold in high regard because it is not an easy thing to do, especially for those people that have families at home and people that love them that are waiting for them. Um, this is it's not an easy profession being a first responder, and it should not ever be looked at as an easy profession. It should never be invalidated. Uh, and the things that they do are truly remarkable. These are ordinary human beings doing extraordinary things. And uh, my hat is off to you. I love you all. And this story is dedicated to you guys that are out there right now doing stuff on our behalf, things that we don't like to think about, things that we would like to pretend just exists on a TV screen as being portrayed by the media, and that is it. But that is not the case, and I'm hyper aware of that. So this is a story that I wrote called The Virus, and it's coming up next. Medic 1, you're responding. Code 4. Story time. A chance to get the hard-to-find H1N1 vaccine produced a polite stampede of parents. The World Health Organization has declared a swine flu pandemic as the disease continues to spread around the world. On the basis of available evidence and these expert assessments of the evidence, the scientific criteria for an influenza pandemic have been met. Things had been crazy ever since the outbreak. The hours at work had been long and exhaustive. When I got home, I dropped my kit bag and went for the shower. I stood beneath the decalcent beams of water, struggling to cleanse myself of last night's shift. My arms outstretched, supporting the weight of my aching body as it leaned against the damp tile. Rivulets of water descended along my skin before vanishing with a gurgle through the perforated holes of the drain. The orchestra of falling water was music to my tired ears. 
anything to drown out the ghostly moans and ululations of the sick and wounded. As a paramedic, I'm not sure that's a sound you ever get used to, just frightfully acquainted with. And last night, last night was horrible. The shift started as it so often had during that past month. Arduous checklists ensuring that our infection control kits were well-stocked and easily deployable. For the past while, every call that came in to 911 with a chief complaint of cough, cold, or sniffle was equated to the virus. As such, we, the paramedics, or ditch doctors, had to suffer our way through donning oversized yellow gowns, surgical shields, and N95 face masks all while carrying the cumbersome weight of our everyday gear into the unknown of someone's home. The virus was no joke. Plastered all over the news were pleas for medical figureheads decrying visits to the hospital unless absolutely necessary. People were panicked and mostly chose to stay in their homes. But when they became sick with anything even tangentially resembling that of the fabled sickness, they called us. 911. I guess we're expendable. Or, as we were so often told, they paid their taxes. It was during those diseased months that I became sure of one thing. Should there ever be a zombie apocalypse, paramedics are no doubt going to be the first to go down. Why? Because some shithead zombie will still find a way to call an ambulance and then have the audacity to bite the responding medic. We would walk into these people's homes and they would cough throaty heaps of lung butter all over our chin and cheeks as though we were somehow impervious to the ill will of the virus. They didn't give a flying fuck about the possibility of infecting us with whatever it was they may or may not have had. They just demanded that we make them feel better. An impossible ask, but one they foisted with indefatigable zeal. Despite wearing thick layers of protection, fatigue had made my patients run a little thin. Frank and I were standing outside of the ambulance, dressing ourselves in isolation gear before making entry into a home that had requested an ambulance. A nearby construction worker witnessed the two of us dancing in place while getting geared up. Instead of letting loose a cat call, he yelled out while holding his finger in an exaggerative manner. Hey, fellas, I got a sliver. Can you come suck it out? Followed by a juvenile laugh. He was looking to his buddies for support in his idiocy. Ordinarily, I would have paid this no attention. But considering my current state of frustration, I hawked the reply to his query. Nah, sorry, dude. I'm, uh, not allowed to examine vaginas. His buddies were now laughing. Frank and I went into the home and completed the call. In and out, dress up, dress down. This was the cadence of our shift. It had been for the past several weeks in a row now. Hospitals were crowded. Patients were coughing and spitting all over the hallway floors of the emergency department. Some people were more ill with incredulity than they were anything else. They felt that calling an ambulance, warranted or not, meant that they should be seen ahead of anyone else in line. People don't seem to realize that getting to the hospital is not a race. The hierarchy is less about entitlement and solely about severity. Simply demanding to be seen does not further you ahead in line, nor in our good graces. It was during a feeble attempt at getting coffee when the call came in. Alpha 1-4, this is dispatch, come in. The radio squawked to life with news of a patient in dire straits. A middle-aged woman had collapsed outside her home after being dropped off by a taxi. Frank and I looked at one another through tired gape. Without looking, 
He allowed his hand to navigate downward and flip the switches to the emergency lights and sirens. Away we went. Frank drove and I studied and cleared intersections for him. A constant obstacle course of apathetic drivers and indolent pedestrians always made hot runs just that much more stressful. The excitement of riding hot to a call wires off rather quickly after you've experienced the dangers within once or twice. The sun was going down and the temperature outside was beginning to reflect that of a flameless sky. When we got to scene, the first thing to greet my eyes was a hefty body laying on the craggy snowscape of the curb. The second was a scared stiff taxi driver frantically waving at us as we approached. Frank and I got out and went to work. A battle had commenced. In one corner, the Reaper, clad in a flowing gown of black and ominous shadow. And in the other, Frank and myself. Paramedics always fight outside of their weight class, sometimes as the victor, sometimes not. That night, we were bested by the demon and his sickle. The woman died. We chalked it up to her having been grossly overweight. We felt as though we had done all we could, but that battle was not ours to win. Apparently. The shift would end and I would lumber home. By the time I had unlocked my front door, my girlfriend had already left for work. She was on days and I was on nights. The only intimacy that we could share with one another during that time was in the form of lingering scents that subtly clung to the other's pillowcase. This is romance in the world of dating a first responder. Sometimes the love of your life is invisible. At times, both emotionally and physically. I would close my eyes and manage to catch a few restless hours before heading back into work. Last shift and then finally, some days off. Upon getting to work, my eyes had finally started to open. I swiped my badge along the magnetic lock and listened for the latch to snap back before entering the ambulance station. I walked down the hallway and into the crew kitchen. The place was a ghost town, which meant one of two things. One, the city was on fire and every ambulance was out on a call. Or two, and in my opinion more likely, the zombies had finally gotten to us. I heard the supervisor's door open and out came the day shift soup. I met him with a sarcastic outburst at the side of his attire. He was fully gowned up. (laughs) Dustin Hoffman from Outbreak. Where the fuck is the monkey? (laughs) Yeah, well, technically, you're the monkey. The uh, patient you had last night, the cardiac arrest, she's confirmed H1N1. Oh, well, that's just fucking neat. Were were you and Frank wearing ISO gear during that call? No, we just ran it like a coat. No one said shit about her being sick. Yeah, the labs came back. That's, uh, that's why she coded. Cool, so you telling me I'm gonna die, or...? No, I mean, probably not. But you and Frank are now to be quarantined. Since you're both out of this station tonight, we're shutting this place down, and you and Frank are sequestered to the lounge until we figure out what's going on. Well, fucking happy, happy, joy, joy. Dude, I went home and everything. I, I know. Look, even the doc thinks that you're gonna be fine. We just have to follow protocol on this. I'm sorry. And just like that, the zombies had got me. Me and Frank. Frank had his fortune told to him as he arrived through the doors, just as I had done. His reaction was nicer than mine. He's a better man than I am. 
He sat beside me on the couch and offered me some M&Ms. I wasn't hungry, but they were the peanut kind. So I took a handful. Throughout the night, we had to take each other's temperature and report hourly to the shift supervisor. No other crews were allowed to rotate through the station. I knew that we were likely to be alright, but I'd be lying if I didn't admit feeling a slight gnaw of concern at this whole thing. We were just out there doing our jobs, and now we could be really sick. I'd be disingenuous if I said I wasn't frustrated either. Sitting stationary in the blandness of an ambulance station for 14 hours makes for a long, sluggish evening. The highlight came when Frank called to inform his wife of what was going on. Hey honey, how are you? Me? Oh yeah, I'm good. Might have the HIV one in one, but uh, I'm good. Ah, it's nothing to worry about. Maddie said he'd suck out the poison, huh? Ah, uh, sure thing, brother. I'll uh, I'll go get the tweezers, yeah. Frank finished his call and put his wife's mind at ease. The night would come and go. Frank and I would be given the all clear with the caveat of monitoring our temperature over the next several days. We would be fine unscathed, as you say. I bring this up because of current global situation. We currently have men and women on the front line facing a foe of unknown potency. Men and women who have families, lives, and loved ones. Men and women who willfully charge into the mouth of the beast, while the rest of us seek refuge. I remember what it was like working during an epidemic. It makes an already stressful job just that much more complex and difficult. And you want to know something really fucked up? I really miss being there, right there, at the precipice of chaos. Takes a rare breed to do something like that. Takes an even rarer kind to continue doing it day in and day out. So, to all of you out there right now, facing off with adversaries well above your weight class, I salute you. Come home safe. Come home healthy. And come home proud. We love you. Cheers.